0: Listener Production. Coming up on Footy Talk, we talk all things AFLW. We're going to preview some of the finals that are coming up, but we have Emma King, 2019 North Melbourne leading goal kicker, two time All Australian, ruck forward extraordinaire. All of that coming up on Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFLW. Kate McCarthy and I am very happy to be joined by Emma King, two-time All-Australian, 2019 North Melbourne leading goal kicker, ruck forward, can do everything basically on the field. Emma, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now let's get into straight away. We'll start from all the way back. You're one of the unique players in the league that started from day one of the AFLW, but you actually played junior football as well. So a lot of our players obviously in AFLW came from other backgrounds, never picked up a footy until a certain age, but you started playing competitive football at the age of eight. How did you get into that? Who taught you? Do you have older brothers? Do you have sisters that were keen on it as well? Obviously coming from Perth, that helps.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Perth, a nice big footy state in itself, but um, yeah, it was probably my older brother got into footy and simple as I was just really jealous and I looked really fun and I wanted to join him. So my dad signed me up the next year and um, loved it ever since. Yeah. Back in those days, we were playing with the boys, you know, in the long term. I think that's what's helped benefit me. I'm quite tall now, but I wasn't when I was younger and <laughs> I actually played through the midfield and in the smaller positions and it's helped develop my craft a little bit better. And then. Um, I find if you are a bit tall too early, they put you in a tall position and you stay there yeah, for the you're rest very of your career. Then, yeah, aren't you? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you started at eight, what age could you play until,
0: until you then had to sort of, I guess, go elsewhere or play different competitions with the girls or in Perth was there something all the way through?
1: No. So there wasn't, there wasn't competition, um, for young girls to play up until probably the W came in and then they brought in the youth girls programs in the amateur leagues below that or above that. But, um, yeah, uh, 14, under 14s was my last year with the boys and um, I still wanted to play. So we looked online to see if anything was around and it was open women's. So I went as a 14-year-old into open women's, um, which is pretty crazy to think. So I played those days out on the wing.
0: Wow. So what's that like? You're a 14-year-old going into an open women's competition. So that's women of any age that have played football that are obviously a lot bigger than
1: you. And a lot more experience. Absolutely. It's quite overwhelming, especially as a 14-year-old. And, um, yeah, I was a scrawny little little thing back then. So, um, yeah, just trying to just enjoy my football. I was keen to keep going and it was uh, daunting in terms of the the contact of it all. But, um, yeah, all the all the females that I played with of all different ages were yeah, so welcoming and we just loved – everyone was there for the same reason. We just loved playing footy.
0: And was there a particular player at the club that you played at that really took you under your wing or you looked up to as a bit of a mentor that has helped you to develop sort of from those ages where there was no youth girls football program that you could go into or be mentored by females your age?
1: I had a couple of players that I played with. Um, my first team that I went to was um, – West Perth women's and then I had a couple of years off when I was uh, year 11, year 12, first year of uni, came back and I I went to a new club, Coastal Titans um, and the reason I went there is a couple of the girls from West Perth had moved to the new club so the likes of Ash Renshaw who's with the uh, Fremantle program now, um, Hayley Miller, Kiara Bowers, those sorts of girls are the the girls that I played with that moved on. And yeah, and lucky enough to play against them still to this day. That's great. So you made your league debut,
0: obviously the first game of the AFLW was your first game as well. Um, the lockout at Icon Park, the really famous night, Collingwood Carlton there. How was that? How did that feel? How extraordinary was that to see the the stands just continue to fill up and then you sort of find out that there's actually people outside that are waiting to get in?
1: Yeah, I think it was a surreal moment in history, not only for women's football, but um, to be a part of that was just amazing. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Just the stepping out, you know, we go out on the field for a bit of warm up and, you know, we sit there and we say, take it all in, take the crowd in. But even when we were in that initial warm up, it wasn't um, quite as full as it was when we went out um, with the song playing, um, going through the banner and the whole game, you couldn't hear anyone. You couldn't hear teammates. It was that loud. It was incredible. I've never... I've never experienced anything like that. We played uh, the first ever AFL game at Optus Stadium. It was Collingwood-Fremantle, and there was 40-plus thousand, so we got that record that year for attendance. doesn't equate to the first ever AFLW game at Icon Park. That was unbelievable and a, a great moment in history to be a part of. I remember at the Lions, we had training that night,
0: so we trained and then we went and watched the game, obviously, all together after I think it had started a little bit, and we turned on the TV and we were the same. We were like... Oh my god! And then there was like broadcast images of the people that were outside, and Gil going outside to tell them that there was. I'm sorry, you can't get in. And we were just like, "What is going on?" Like, it was. It was. No insane. one expected
1: that. It was insane. And um, my mum and my sister were there, and they were standing in the aisle. Like there was they, no one was sitting. They were just said it was just amazing to be a part of. And yeah, I just incredible. Part of history, yeah,
0: incredible. It is absolutely that's the best way to describe it. Now, you were one of the two marquee signings for Collingwood. How did that come about? What did they do to get you to the club? Um, obviously, from Perth, that's a big move over. What were the things that you considered? Do you remember sort of the process of how it all came about?
1: Yeah, I think um, being a part of the exhibition um, games prior to uh, the draft at the end of 2016, um, there was talks of they wanting to move talent around from. Um, WA being arguably the second strongest team of talent or state of talent, sorry. Uh, So they were looking to move some players around to, you know, to even up the from the outside maybe the struggling states of, you know, the depth of talent that we have. Um, And so I was looking to move players around and I just thought, um, I'm in a position to make that move. Um, I was finishing uni. Nothing was really tying me down in Perth except for some family, but my sister lives in Sydney um, my brother was traveling as well. So we were all a bit here, there and everywhere. So I said, what's, what's going to help me develop my football career. And I think, um, you know, in all honesty, I think if I stayed in Western Australia, um, I was playing with similar people that I'd been playing with the last four or five years. And I thought if I go to the heart of footy in, in Melbourne, um, that's where, you know, I could look to, become a forward and come out of the ruck and develop those skills within that ruck craft just being around it around it all and even that career post um, football more opportunities to stay in football in that sort of sense so I thought come to Melbourne and Meg Hutchins was the uh, operations at Collingwood so got in contact with some people at Melbourne um, within Melbourne sorry and Talked to a couple of clubs and then yeah, got the call. I was on my lunch break at Coles at the time uh, when Hutchie called. (laughs) Where'd you work at Coles? Were you a checkout chick? I was all over. I'd worked there for seven years, so got got me through school and uni. Yeah, I actually got long service, actually. I was there that long. <laughs> long service at uh, no. Um <laughs> It's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wild ride. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they were good to me and I was on my lunch break and had a missed call from Hutchie, so I called her back and she said, look, yeah, I'm pretty keen to come to have you come over and be a marquee signing with Mo Hope. Um, and, and she said, yeah, have a think about it. So I called Mum straight away and I said, I think I'm moving to Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, really excited by it and, yeah. A did month you, or two later, did
0: you complete the rest of your shift at Coles that day, or did you just say, "I'm out, I'm done, I'm going to Collingwood, oh, I so I see sat you in later"? The back, yeah,
1: <laughs> just took it nice and easy. Sat in the cold fridges, out the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after round two, you recorded a league best, obviously, like round two, first season ever, a 33 hit out performance, which was the the record at that stage. <laughs> Wayne Seekman, then your coach at Collingwood at the time, said that you are the greatest player that's probably absolutely floating around in the league at the moment in the inaugural league. What was that like to be two games into your career and your coach has come out and just pumped you up like that? What was that feeling like?
1: I've never heard that, that <laughs> comment actually. Um, I think that's uh, that's very nice words. I think maybe uh, maybe he was he was just politely pumping me up and um, (laughs) trying to say something nice for the media in the early stages of an AFLW um, competition. But there's – yeah, it's – it's very nice words to say, but I think, um, yeah, it's lovely to see how much the the competition has developed over the years. And you know, one of my current teammates in Jazz Ghana, we've had our careers together, and um, look at the way that she's flourished at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So going on to that, you
0: then moved to North Melbourne after being named All Australian at the end of the first season. At the end of the second season, playing for Colling, traded to North. How did that one come about? Obviously, North entering the competition at that stage. So again, kind of that premise. you're talking about you need to sort of dilute the talent a little bit and for players or for expansion clubs to be successful players needed to move how did that one come about?
1: Yeah I think um, it's pretty well known that North were quite aggressive in their um, talent search and getting people across and I wasn't probably initially looking to to move um, but you know it was worth hearing them out and I actually went into the interview if you will not really thinking of moving and the interview was half an hour and I left two hours later and I was was confident I was making (laughs) the move. So um, it was a nice, healthy discussion. Um, I had quite a few questions. I'm sure you asked Laura Kane. She'll remember that interview. She said I pulled out a a roll of paper worth of questions to ask but they were all answered to satisfaction. So, yeah, I was happy to make that move and I was confident I was going to the right place. What were some of the questions at the top of the list? (laughs) (laughs) um you know personnel they were they were talking confidently of what they were going to be able to who they were going to get to the club and I'm not going to shy away that um I always am striving to win a premiership and in the early stages I wasn't going to move to a club that wasn't looking to have that in their mindset so um the personnel and within that personnel it's that cultural balance of um are we getting the right people to the right club and and making the right culture for a long-term um successful club
0: yeah, that's very bold going into an interview saying things like that, isn't it? Were you confident in what you were saying? Like you they're they're obviously asked for you. So that's a, a different position to be in. They're wanting you. So you had the position to then sort of, I guess, yeah, ask for the things that you were you were happy to move for.
1: yeah, I feel like it's um, it it was a it was a, a healthy interview um in the sense that um if i didn't get these questions answered then i would have come out going oh what if what if what if and probably wouldn't have made that move i'm happy i made those i got those questions answered and i made the move when i did did you have many that were on the list already
0: when you knew you were going there or were they sort of question marks because that's the thing when you're going to an expansion club it's like yeah we're we're chasing this person it's like okay great you're chasing them that doesn't mean that they're on the list. So Correct. I'm a rock or I'm a forward. I rely on a lot of people around me. Correct. Who have you actually got?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a bit of back and forth at the start of the uh, two-hour interview and uh, by the end of it I got a couple more firm yeses that are coming across rather than some question marks. But I think it was obvious Emma Carney was coming across. Um, I knew about the other Collingwood girls coming across in Jess Duff and Jaz Garner, um, obviously Jenna Bruton as well from Bulldogs and um, Mo. So I knew the four Collingwood would be us four. Yep. When there was limits on how I many you could steal from yeah, each that's club. Right. Yes. <laughs> well,
0: that's great. So three goal first quarter against Geelong in 2021. I remember watching that game and you were phenomenal in that game. You just had, you clunked everything, kicked three goals in the first quarter. Looking back on that, how do you sort of assess that performance? Do you reckon that's still probably to date your best performance in the AFLW in that forward
1: position? Um, I actually keep a couple from the ruck position. So it was just a license um, within the ruck uh, and also forward to just, to you know, attack forward and, and be dangerous and, you know, draw attention or if not, get used yourself. So it was uh, one of my best quarters. In the, in the competition. Yeah. Don't know if the rest of the game played out that way. I think I've used up all my energy in that first quarter. And all right, you kick three, that's all that anyone remembers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Stick with us. We are going to chew into the finals of the AFLW competition. All finalists have been decided now, so we're going to get into that and also touch a little bit on your background in away from footy as well, Emma. Thank you so much. Stay with us on Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you have any questions for us, get us on Instagram at Footy Talk underscore pod, on TikTok at Footy Talk pod. We're with Emma King. Obviously, Emma, the ruse into the finals again, which is great. Top four position, which gets you a, a double chance, which is fantastic. So how are you sort of tracking? How are you guys tracking heading into the finals campaign?
1: Yeah, very excited. Um, looking forward to it. And first time we've had a double chance as well. So that gives us an extra bit of confidence to um, build into. And I think... We've been building quite nicely for the season and we've had a couple of losses, obviously, to the other top four sides, but um, we've been able to take some learnings out of those, all different parts of the learning. And, um, you know, the early loss to Brisbane in the season has allowed us to adapt our game and the likes of Melbourne and the close um, Adelaide loss as well. Yeah, we're very excited to verse all these teams again and um, looking forward to Sunday.
0: And the, the one on Sunday, so you take on Melbourne on Sunday at Icon Park. That game that you guys had, they probably really were able to take your game plan away from you a little bit. Um, I think one mark inside 50 for the game, which is significantly less than what you guys average. How have you, I guess, the next game you played Adelaide and it was clear that you guys had gone away and worked on things because you just narrowly lost to them. What did you learn out of that loss and what will you take into the game on Sunday compared to sort of how you prepared last time against them?
1: Yeah, I think we've had a massive focus on just making sure that that we show up and we, we bring that, that energy for the four quarters. I think we we went into our shells a little bit and um, we know that when we go into our shells, that doesn't help anyone and it doesn't help our game plan. And we know when we play to our 100%, our system does hold up and we're confident that we can do that against Melbourne. We just have to make sure that we we stay engaged with each other and we stay connected and it's as simple as that really, is staying there for four quarters. Jazzy Ghana, very, very good player. The best player in the competition. I'm happy to say it.
0: Absolutely has to be. Um, she got very closely watched by Shelley Heath. Any conversation around what to do different when that happens next time?
1: Not necessarily. In all honesty, we kind of thought we were versing Adelaide this week. So that uh, direct conversation about Shelley Heath and the likes of um, yeah, that possible matchup again hasn't been spoken about, not to my knowledge. But um, we're confident in Jazz's. Ability to to work through that and make that a team effort to um, to nullify that impact, but also we just got to assist Jazzy with that because when she's on, she's on, and we we love her when she's on.
0: And just talking about Jazz, obviously hasn't been able to win an AFLW BNF this year. It surely has to be her year. What, As as someone that spends so much time very closely with her, obviously delivering the ball down her throat and she goes
1: and gets the clearance
0: or getting on the end of it in the forward line, what's it like to play with Jazz Garner?
1: I am one of the most privileged people to have played alongside her in every single W game that I've had um, It's like she's got eyes in the back of her head and the calmness that she brings when she has the ball, it just oozes confidence to the rest of the team and um, when she's up, the rest of the team's up. But when she has a bad day, that's not a bad day for the rest of the team. That's a a slower game for Jazz Garner and I just think she has so many elements to her game, whether it's inside on the ball and getting those clearances, whether she goes forward and clunks those marks and kicks those goals for us. She's so impactful and... um, but humble at heart, which is probably why she hasn't won four best and fairest already. Yeah, she's a very quiet achiever, isn't she? Quiet achiever. Is she quiet around the club as well? Is it what you see, what you get? Quiet is probably not a word I would describe, uh, but humble and (laughs) a nice bit of energy. Yeah, that's good.
0: Um, Now on the finals fixturing, so there's no Friday night game in the finals fixturing. Um, Did that surprise you to start with?
1: Yes, I th- I would have thought maybe the Ge- Geelong game. Uh, we had a Friday night game last year, but I think maybe just because of the f- teams that played on the Sunday, so they didn't want to give you a five-day turnaround. Yeah, so there's that. And then also
0: the Sunday game. So they've said that um, they're scheduling the game Saturday, Sunday to maximise crowd and viewership. However, they've put the two Melbourne games on the same day. I don't know how that quite maximises crowds and stuff. Like you can't quite get to Geelong down the freeway and then get back up to Icon in time for your start game. So
1: not quite. No,
0: no I think there's a, a few little tweaks there, which we'll, we'll chew into <laughs> in a future Footy Talk episode when we don't have someone that can incriminate themselves on the podcast. <laughs> but how do you feel? So Norwood is the potential grand final venue. Obviously, Adelaide getting the top spot in AFLW. If you finish top, you get a home final. If you're if you make it all the way through, so that has I think. It's listed as a 15,000 capacity. I don't think I've ever seen 15,000 people at Norwood in that, in the redevelopment phase of it. Um, Average crowds, sort of Adelaide Oval, um, I think the minimum they've had there for a final was 16,000 a couple of years ago, but now we've got the issue of cricket pitches being in our grounds. Do you think it's time that we move to locking in a venue or do you think it's still fair that the top team gets right and wherever ground is available, that's where they play?
1: I think it's hard, obviously, with this this season, obviously. Um, but I think the conversation has to, to start coming around, especially with the cricket pitches coming in. We have a stadium like Marvel Stadium that's available and, you know, they could maybe not put the cricket pitch in as early as possible and avoid those um, big bash playing there for the first, you know, couple of rounds. I'm not sure when they start, but, um, yeah, I think – longevity-wise, we can't be having stadiums that only hold a fifteen, capac- 15,000 capacity, but it looks like it holds seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, the, you know, we want to have the opportunity that if 50,000 people want to come to the grand final, we want that to be a game that people pay to go to rather than, um, oh, I can't actually go to, I have to watch it broadcasting. So longevity-wise, I think it's, yeah, a conversation can be started about where do we lock a, a stadium in. Yeah, definitely. And the
0: AFL owns marvel so they have that right to sort of say no we're using it you can't have it for cricket Um, but the other thing is the quality of the football that could be played there as well I mean there's a roof it's fast football I think Essendon Hawthorne played their round one last year their first ever games against each other and the quality of the football was insane and I think that has a lot to do with the environmental factors that aren't playing a part because so many of our games that we play are in wind-blown ovals in sort of really open environments and and the wind really affects the way that we can play football.
1: Correct. I think there's quite a few grounds that we play at. Casey, Witten, there's another windy one actually. Oh, Windy Hill actually, (laughs) in the name. If we're we're trying to get a spectacle in the grand final, the last game of the year, showcasing the two best teams of that season, I think we should lock in a stadium that can um, enclose that and gives opportunity for spectators to be there in person
0: last one I've got obviously the CBA was completed this year um how what was it like from the club's process so you do you get presented I think when I was playing we got presented ideas we then got to vote the whole thing played out quite lengthy time-wise what was the process like from a playing perspective
1: yeah, I mean the conversations start probably twelve months prior to the negotiations coming out, and it gives the opportunity for the AFL Players Association to get out to um, both cohorts, men's and women's, especially when we're looking to do a joint CBA this this time around, um, and get to them and have the conversations about what we want included, what's important to us. We got to a point where we were both cohorts had pillars, if you will, is the term we used um, of the importance that we wanted to get across and make sure that it was outlined to some extent within the CBA and get our points across. And uh, they were, yeah, presented to both cohorts about the likes of what the other cohorts were looking at. And then um, we had a delegates conference in the start of January. Um, So delegates from all clubs, both men and women, if they were available to come and get that discussion going and then, you know, Again, we go back to conversations at the club. So everyone gets to hear it across in person from the, the Players Association and then through the delegates about having that back and forth conversation and making sure that everyone feels comfortable that the, the final um, accepted CBA is, you know, majority voted by the playing groups. And, um, yeah, I think we got to a really good middle ground with the AFL, especially with where both sides have started. And, yeah, that we're comfortable with where we're going.
0: Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck against the D's on Sunday afternoon in your big final. Hopefully, this is the year that North get it done. All the best on Sunday. Listener.